We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas Jayhawks from KCSN, which features three shows each week in Border War, hosted by former Jayhawks guard Jeff Hawkins and Mizzou forward Jarrett Sutton. Ain't no seats with Ryan Reinhardt, Anthony Bax, and Brayden Turner, and Booth Review. Covering Jayhawks football with Ken Swanson and weekly special guests. Make sure to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Stay up to date on all things KU with KCSN. And now, the latest on the Kansas Jayhawks. All right, before we get going today, shout out Emprise Bank. As always, you can open an account with Emprise Bank in less than five minutes. The savings just start there, though. Emprise is a trusted partner with a variety of products and services to help you achieve your goals. Don't be tethered to a brick building. Start a meaningful relationship with a bank that has your best in mind. All right, boys, let's get into an episode that, I mean, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, I, I think if you look back to when we started this podcast, we probably said we, crazy things. We'd make lists of, of big names that we wanted to get on this podcast. Who were the guys? Who were the ones we were after? We got Sharon. People loved Sharon. We got Tyshawn. We got Keith Lankford. We've had all those names, and I'm not putting any of those guys down. But to me, based on the last 10 years of Kansas basketball, Devontae Graham has been one of the most talked about people we've heard where people say, you got to get the guy in the pod. We got to hear from this dude. One of the most liked Jayhawks of all time. He's finally here. The episode is finally here. We've got the legend, Devontae Graham, on Ain't No Seeds podcast. Finally, Devontae, how's it going? What's up? Hey, it's going good. Can't complain. Happy to be here. You know, it's been, we, we supposed to do this, but obviously, Chris, he'd be messing up. He'd be bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, skinny. Or Chris is pretty much like the four. We call him the fourth member of Eight No Seats. So it's like we started this in 2019. Me and Chris have been friends since then. Like this has been something we've been trying to make happen for probably four years. Like just constantly picking at him a little bit. Like DJ, yeah. where's Dute? Where's Dute? So yeah, we yeah. on. He just said it. One of the most loved Jayhawks ever. Um, obviously, your story is pretty wild. Everyone knows about your story. Appalachian State. You end up at Brewster with Donovan Mitchell and those guys. Um, and then you end up at Kansas. I think I think you picked them over NC State. I forget who else, but 
I guess just go into talking about being being recruited by Bill Self um, and what stood out to you about KU. Uh, man, I remember the first time uh, Coach Smith from Brewster had told me, like, uh, Kansas is interested in you. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't believe it at first. You know what I'm saying? I remember uh, Coach Roberts had came in. He, was, he wasn't even there. I think he was there to watch Donovan. And obviously that day, uh, Donovan probably struggled. And I just happened to be, you know, feeling. And I was talking to her ass. And so he asked, like, like, who's this kid? Like, And from there on, it was like, all right, well, Coach Self wanted to come see me. He wanted to come visit me. Once I had finally got released from App State and I had sat out with Coach Self and the, and, and the staff, it was just like, it was kind of like a bond immediately, bro. It was like he knew the, what to say to get me interested to come take a visit. And then when I was on the visit, it was just like family first. My mom fell in love with him. My sister was in love with the wives and their daughters. <laughs> Perfect match. So it kind of just, it just, it just all click, you know what I'm saying? So, so how does we always ask this with guys, and it's it's pretty topical with what happened today with Hunter Dickinson and things like that. Bill Self just knows how he's one of the more likable people ever. He can walk into that's what Keith Langford said, right? He can walk into a room and why did immediately the most likable guy in that room? But the funny part about it is Keith Langford then said, but the next thing you know, you're in a gym and he's calling you soft. He's calling you like all sorts of names. So like. What was your first experience of, you know, you knew Bill Self was going to coach you hard, but was it a shock to you when you went from, hey, he's this super likable, cool guy, to you go into practice and he's on your ass? Uh, it's the first meeting. It's the first meeting. <laughs> what was it? We go in the, we go in the film room or whatever. Never seen this side of him, obviously. get stud, you're going to be... You gonna love you. Nothing like playing in Kansas, the tradition. That's not the third okay. Then we get into the meeting, and at the first meeting, he's like, Nobody cares what you did when you were at Brewster. Nobody cares when you were at high school. Everything starts zero. You gotta work your ass off to get this and then that. Uh, and he pointed at Frank, and he's like, Frank, you gonna let this guy take your spot? You gonna let this guy take your minutes? And Frank looking at me like, Heck no. Like, oh, you're not taking my minutes, so. It was from there, and he let you know, like, everything you got from here on out has to be earned, like, uh, and it's going to be tough, so. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is that, like, is that something you enjoyed? Like, is that something you embraced? I know there's obviously some recruits that they want to be promised playing time. They want to come in day one, play 40 minutes. So is that something you really embraced? I know you come in as a freshman. There's still Wayne Selden still there. Um, there's still a lot of talented guys, and you played decent amount freshman year, I know. Um, so was that something you really took as a challenge, I guess? Definitely. Uh, but also, once again, it's everything is different for everybody. Like, So I wasn't one of those guys who was McDonald's All-American, had the whole hype behind his name, who was, you know, promised to come in and start and stuff like that. So where I, I came from the bottom, so I been on the teams where I don't play where I had to grind to start where I started didn't start some summers I did I barely played on my AAU team like so it was like I've, I've already been through all this stuff till now like I'm just here I'm I'm ready to compete now like Coach Self said nobody's position is promised like 
I can earn my minutes as a freshman. Um, and that's all you really can ask for. You know, you want to go in, you want to be able to play right away. Obviously, it was me and Frank as the wanted, like the point guard. So it was like, right for your minutes. Let's do it. Yeah. It felt like he liked you, though, like from the jump. I remember in your senior night speech, you were talking about how your freshman year, he was telling you to like yell at all, like Perry and Jamari and all these guys. Like, what do you think that he saw in you that like as a freshman coming in, like not a super high recruit, that he put all this trust in you? And clearly we talk about guys like KJ Adams. Once Bill Self loves you, he loves you for the long haul. And, you know, from that point on, you were in the starting lineup every night. Uh, he's just seen the, the, the leadership in me, you know, that I didn't really see in myself. Uh, obviously, being a freshman, I'm coming in, like you said, I got Ellis, Jamari Trailer, Wayne Seldon, uh, Kelly Boubre, Speed, Cliff Alexander, Brandon Green, Connor Franklin. Like, all of these guys is like McDonald's All-American all American college, all Americans. Like, I mean, what am I gonna say to them? Coming from, I'm supposed to be going to App State, not oh. right. Like, you want me to yell at Wayne Seldon? Like, yeah. that's my first month on campus. Like, oh, I can't die. So that was in boot camp when he was putting me in the position where the, the making me be the leader, and I had to kind of direct everything from their colleges. It built my confidence, so. So you brought up a name that's, we're getting a little off topic here, but I just got to bring it up, and you you can not comment if you don't want, but <laughs> did Brandon Green and Bill Self have, like, the greatest rivalry of, of any coach player that you saw in your time at Kansas? Because we love joking about how Brandon Green would get out of Bill Self's doghouse, and the next week he was right back in for some different reason. So I just had to bring that up. PG. It was it was a very very strong love hate relationship. Like, are you sure there was love? It was love. It was because <laughs> Coach Self wanted him to be so good, like because he was really. And he could shoot it. Yeah, he could shoot it like crazy, but you know him and his attitude and how. Um, so Coach Self, him and Coach Self, but his and Coach Self tell you like that first meeting. He say, "I'm here. You guys are over here." He said, "I'm not me halfway. I'm not coming." I'm not taking one step. Y'all got to come all the way to me. So it's just some people who won't come all the way. They might get like right here, try to stop. Then go self done. It don't work out. So yeah, yeah. So so we talked a little bit about your your freshman year. I think you battled injury a little bit, right? But uh, you got solid minutes, and I think played really probably was Wichita State game that year. Your best game of your. Freshman year, probably. You had 20 in a game previously, but I just looked at stats too much today. But you had 20 in a game previously, and you had 17 in that Wichita State game. So, oh, but and that it was in the tournament. And yeah. So I think that was my best game. And like I said, um, Coach Selpat came up to me probably a week or two later. I was in the gym working out, and that's when he had contact. Uh, you should never not start another game here at Kansas while you're so that right there I think kind of motivated me even more work hard in that summer like okay go self think I should be starting now that I'm here like I can't I can't let him down <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so obviously um sophomore year one of I mean one of the most exciting games you've probably played in but one of the most exciting college basketball games of all time um 
OU at the Fieldhouse, one versus two, triple OT, um, just one of the craziest, like I said, one of the most craziest games I've seen um, college basketball-wise. So I guess talk to us about that night, and then I talk about Buddy Heald's performance and how legendary that was. I remember Bill saying Buddy would have had 60 if it wasn't for Frank, and he only had 46. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, obviously the hype was all it lived up to be. Um, obviously going into the game, it was like, and one, at one poll we was number one, and then the other poll they were number one. So it was just it it, it lived up to all the hype. Uh, Buddy, it was like he couldn't miss. It was no nobody. It didn't matter who was guarding him. It was like he couldn't miss. And obviously, you could say Frank stopped him or slowed him down, or I don't know what words you would use. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. um. You know Frank. Frank don't do his. He he a little pit bull. He go knock. Which I got him. I thought let me get him. Who <laughs> Frank on him? Like go ahead, Frank. Do your thing. And Frank obviously played huge and got them big steals. <laughs> but nah, that's definitely my. So so just to follow up with that game, I guess let's touch on OU and Norman. I think you would probably agree, but coming out party for you just. At KU, 27 points, 6 for 9 from 3. Buddy was, I think he was great again that game. And both games were obviously amazing. So did you, I'm sure you're confident, obviously, as an athlete, but do you think that was kind of like I'm here moment for you at KU? Oh, that definitely was. That was easily, you know, like you said, my coming out game. And uh, it kind of got my name buzzing. And, you know, that's when the whole you start getting tweets about, is he going to the NBA? Is he going to leave? And stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah. And they, and I played, I guarded Buddy that whole game. Coach Selvitt always told me I got, I got defensive, uh, all defensive team that year. I'm not even sure. Uh, he said it was just on that one game. He said, you only played. <laughs> you didn't guard. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I, I guess that, there's a lot to talk about. Um, from that game, I know I don't know if you remember this tweet, but I'm pretty sure it was Doug Gottlieb. He said KU's not going to win games recruiting lower level D1 guys like Frank Mason and Devontae Graham. And I remember I remember seeing that after the OU game, and then he said Devontae, you you just became like one of the most loved Jayhawks ever. Like I that that felt like the coming out party to the fans. Also, like I remember you yapping to the bench saying like I'm here like. Yeah, that game that game at Norman just felt like the start of Devontae Graham. Yeah, it definitely was. Frank had fouled out that game too. And it was like a big momentum shift right then. And I remember telling them like, hey bro, I got bro, like I went to Vegas and I think I scored probably like twelve or something after that. Ten or something after that. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean that OUKU little mini rivalry you guys had that season was obviously really fun, but I always think back, and we've even talked about this on this pod, that 2016 team, I think, kind of gets, like, undervalued or forgotten about a little bit because 2017, which we'll get to, was just one of the more fun KU teams of all time. But, like, that 2016 team was the number one overall seed. Perry Ellis was playing at just an insanely high level. Um, You and Frank, obviously. Wayne Selden was great that year. So, like, 
do you feel that way? Do you feel that 2016 team kind of like doesn't get as much credit as they deserve? Like, do you feel like they competed with that 2017 team? Uh, the 2017 team you're saying with like Josh Jackson and uh huh. Yeah, so like who is are they same level? I feel like 2017 gets more credit and talked about more, but 2016 was really good. Yeah, no, nah, we were definitely really good. I think we were more talented. 2016, and we we were bigger. Uh, yeah, 2017. That's when we started the whole four guards stuff. Four NBA yeah. guys. And that's when we. Oh uh, yeah, me. What was it? me? Josh Speed. Yeah, Frank. Yeah. Frank and Landon, right? Landon, Landon, Luke, and LeGerald came off the bench. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we had this. We had great guard play. It was like Josh playing the four was kind of unfair because he's really a two. So it was like you got to put your four man on him, or but then that 2016 was that definitely very talented. I love that team. That was one of my favorite years to be honest. Obviously, it was set for going to the final four my senior year. That was one of my like four of my bullet years. I think my sophomore year with that team. That was like Perry sixteen was um so talented that like Diallo didn't play. Like Sheck Diallo top ten, top twenty recruit. Um, but I feel like twenty seventeen, they we always talk about twenty seventeen, like that's that's probably our favorite team from the Bill Self era. And I think Rye, I think people think twenty seventeen is better just because I think DJ and Frank are so loved. And they took their game to the next level. And then you have Josh, who was a top five pick. Svee, obviously, play, he's playing in the NBA and stuff like that. So we always talk about um, 2017. But I guess getting back to 2016, um, you guys you guys beat Maryland in the Street 16. I think it was in Louisville at the Yum Center. But going into the Nova game, how did you guys feel? I know Nova had a ton of talent. Guys like um, Jalen Brunson, Michael Bridges. So... How did you guys feel as a group going into that Elite Eight game against Villanova? We feel great. We always feel great. <laughs> Coach Zoe, I mean, it's not like we going in like, oh, we don't think we can win the game. Like, we think we're going to win every game. Uh, yes, they, so, uh, we feel great. Uh, obviously, you know, that little sore spot, that, that foul out there calling how, the all-time screw job. And how many times do you legitimately think you fouled that game? Probably twice. Yeah, yeah how hurt? I've always like, is that a though? Obviously, the one where um, I think they were trying to run our trap at the half court, tried to split the double team. You go for a loose ball. Like, is that? Have you ever seen? Do you ever think about that play first off? And have you ever seen that call to foul? Uh, well, fortunately, every. More it's madness. Somebody says, sends me you know, grab a Twitter or something. It's just like, I just can't believe that they call that a foul. Like a loose ball, a loose ball. I know for it, and I think it was Josh Hart. Who did, who did I? I think it was Josh Hart. And I think, yeah. I think I had a conversation with him. We was with with the Pelicans. And I think yeah. KU. We were down one at the moment, right? It was got off a call. If it were down one, in. down one with the ball, you get that. Obviously, it would have been a jump or KU ball. I think you actually got it off the Frank or something. So, if the yeah. refs don't put it in their hands and just let you guys play, I know I'm probably making you mad right now, but 
it, it, it kills us too. I was at the I love, game. I love the quote, Beecher, and you saying, do you ever think about that? <laughs> well, I just, I just as fans, it kills us. So I always wonder, like, from a player's perspective, and obviously. No, but on that twice, on that 2016 team, I, uh, before we move on, I just got to hear, like, Perry Ellis, you and Perry Ellis are like polar opposites to me, personality-wise, and, and just the way you played the game, kind of. Did it ever drive you? He was so talented, so good. Did it ever drive you insane that he couldn't be mean and he couldn't, like, or or was there a mean side to Perry that we just didn't see? Perry was always so fascinating to me, and but he was awesome. You got what you mean, brother. <laughs> it drove Coachelle nuts. Yeah. That would be in practice, just try like doing anything to poke Perry, poke Perry, like Perry missed a jump hook. Hey, Perry, down the back, run, come back down. Perry doesn't go over, try to block a shot. Perry, down the back, run, like just doing anything to try to get Perry to get mad and say something. And uh, he just wouldn't do it. Like, I didn't have a problem with it. Like, you average 25 and 10. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I have no problems. I'll throw you the ball. You get me an assist. You know what I'm saying? You just call him a silent killer, man. That's what he was. He he would give you 25 and, and 13 and not say one word to you and just go back to the room, sit on the, like, good game. But he was a robot, man, but he was, he was pretty good. So you, you've never seen him really show emotion at all. Like, did you ever see him show emotion one time? It was a couple times in game where he like how to end one he was green, but it would be like real quick. <laughs> like, yeah, like he just turns it off. Yeah, he just shut it down. I'm like, oh, you did you just catch yourself? Like, it, oh, I can't just so no emotion. Like, <laughs> I don't like stops him. Yeah, <laughs> oh man, Perry, hey man. All right, we got to take a quick little break for an ad, and then we will be right back. We'll talk 2017 Kansas when we get back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. He'd say it's filling up his water. Right <laughs> yeah, I would, buddy. Is it live, live? Like, like... No, no, we're not live. So he can edit it and stuff. Yeah. But, all right, so let's get on to 2017. We talked about it a little bit, but it's a topic that, I mean, it, it's weird, and I think it is because of you and Frank and, and Sfee and your relationship with Sfee and, and Josh Jackson was a, such a big talent. G- LeGerald Vick was an athlete. Like, the team was just fun, and the team gets talked about still to this day more than some other of like some teams that have gone to like national title games and things like that. So where I want to start with that team is like Frank Mason that season was just insane. Like shot 50% from three or something crazy like that. He national player of the year, 25 and five or whatever he ended up averaging. But like, did you see that coming? Like in the off season, did you see Frank Mason becoming the best player in the country? Uh, I wouldn't say that. Like, obviously, yeah. Frank was good. Frank was always solid. Uh, but that year, he was just on a different level. It was like, sometimes it's like, just get Frank the ball and just everybody just go one for you. <laughs> at one point, that's all. That's what we were doing at one point. Like, get down to the five clock. It's like, all right, Frank, go make a play. And yeah. he was making a play every single time. Like, against Duke in the garden. That's pretty much what we we gave Frank the ball, and we did, like, a little fake flare screen so everybody get low. He was like, all right, Frank, go make a play. So, like, it was just, like, time and time again, he just put us on his back, and he was just carrying us, and it was like, um, he was just unstoppable. And he did it on both ends. It wasn't like he wasn't guarding. Like, he's guarding the best guard on the other team, too. So, he was he – was, I know, because at some point in 2017, I think um, Bill had kind of told Frank, like to chill out a little bit. Like he was living in the gym pretty much. Like he wouldn't leave the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that, was he just all off season? Was he constantly in the gym working? Yeah, he would. He had a trainer. I, I forgot. Uh, I think it was Dick D basketball. If y'all know what that is. Well, he was there. He was there every day, like in the gym every day. Usually like we had to do like this little get up 250 threes, make 250 NBA threes every, uh, every day. I think he was doing a whole nother full workout with that guy on top of that, with just finishes, stuff around the rim and stuff like that. See it translated to that in that season. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, obviously we all loved Frank and he was solid in his junior year, but like the step, I don't know if we've ever seen a guy just, one, play to his absolute fullest potential. Like you couldn't, Frank gave every single inch of what he could possibly give out there. So obviously incredible on that season the 2017 season we got to talk about maybe the great one of the greatest games in Alfield House history when you talk about it from a comeback 
perspective, West Virginia, you guys are down 13 points with like two Dick Vitales on TV. Like, oh no, the crowd's leaving. Like losing his mind. Bob Huggins feeling good about it. Finally going to get his first win in Allen Fieldhouse. And you guys just like stomped on their dreams is, I mean, take me back to that game. I know people always say, well, you believe you can come back. Did you yeah. actually believe you could come back that game? Uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason we came back, because we could have. Yeah. But it was like, I think they had got to a real hot start. I think they started out like 10-0 or something crazy. So we had already spotted them 10 points. Because still obviously going ballistic on us. Like, I'm just going to let them walk in here and kick our ass. Then <laughs> So, like, man, like, we all looking at each other, though, but we're like, yo, come on, like, pick it up. And then we get down. They make it ace layup. But then it's like something. You can see they were getting tired. And then we started hitting shots, getting fouls. And they kind of, like, their eyes started to get big. We started pressing them. And they started turning the ball over. And we like, oh, I hit a three. Frank get fouled. He get two. I hit a three. Like, it's like. All right, we about to really come back. I remember the crowd leaving. Yeah. I was like, that, that never happened. Like, I was like, dang, this, we really losing this bad that they are leaving. Like, this is embarrassing. I'm not even, I'm kind of locked in, but I'm really thinking about tomorrow, Coach is going to kill us. Like, <laughs> this has probably never happened in Allen Fieldhouse history. Like, the most embarrassing team in the world. We're going to get it all. So, yeah. We probably walk in the gym and be no balls, but we got, we went into a timeout and Coach Selvin was like, y'all, if you basically got two options, you're going to quit or you're going to, you're going to, you're going to play it to the, to the horn end. Like anything can happen. Like just keep going. So that's what we did. We ended up forcing OT and they OT. You know, I, yeah, I said, you'll proclaim that you're, I don't even know what to call it. What a behind the back step back after Carlton Bragg, like fell on the, I don't know. It was a broken between the raising back. When look, I know, I know T-Rob's block Allen Fieldhouse got loud. We've seen other loud moments, but I still, to this day, I was in the building. I swear it's one of the loudest moments in Allen Fieldhouse history. I don't know what it is about it, but that shot is just one of the most electric moments that crowd has ever seen. It's funny. I think we broke that record that day, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure yeah. Loudest indoor arena. So it all went hand in hand. It was probably definitely one of the loudest moments. Like, it it was rocking in there for real. Is that your favorite field house moment? I mean, I guess you have triple overtime. We talked about that. Like, is there one we're forgetting, or are those two kind of the ones that stand out to you the most? Well, good. Bro, I mean, I just, it's so many. I'm good night. You know what I'm saying? I think personally, it, like that, that, that comeback and the triple overtime ain't got to be. It's nothing. Yeah. Those are tough to compare. Yeah. Yeah. We got to, we got to talk about Allen Fieldhouse as a whole because we had, we had Landon on here. Um, and we actually talked about that West Virginia, West Virginia game with him and then just him watching KU games now from home. So I wanted to ask, like, did you did you ever feel like you guys would lose in that building? And then watching now, like, can you sense when KU's about to go on a run and come back and win at Allen? <laughs> you can, yes. And you definitely like from watching the game. Like, first of all, I'll be standing like this close to the TV. Oh, yeah. 
But actually, and I actually be like kind of nervous. Like it's kind of weird because like when I'm playing, it's like no nerves, no like. But like watching the team and watching coaching them, I be sitting at the games like I be kind of like, ooh, I be having this. Uh oh. Nah, you can definitely tell like when when the crowd just about to go crazy, we gonna go on the run. It's like we missing too many shots. Coach call a timeout, or if they come out at halftime, you just know like from the jump, you're like they gonna have different energy. Just because I've been in those situations, so I kind of you know have this yeah. Yeah, I mean, so obviously 2017 team, great, great season. I I do want to. I don't. We're not going to get into Oregon. I promise we won't because we don't. We've we we're trying to stop ourselves from talking about that game. Uh, we talk about it too much. But the Purdue game on the other side of that, like, did did you almost did you guys almost play too good against Purdue and like <laughs> totally different opposite teams? Who thought we was a whole different? We played way too good. I don't know. I guess so. I mean, were you convinced? I, I think we all were. Like, after that Purdue game, you guys were winning it all. I mean, LeGerald's doing 360s in, like, a seven-point game. Like, you guys were playing at a level that I don't think you had touched. And then we we know what happened. But, like, were you just convinced you guys were winning it all? Uh, I mean, we, we knew we were good enough to win it all that year. Um. Uh, like you said, you just come out and you have one bad, one bad game, one bad half, and it's and it's over. That's what March Madness is, man. You see it every year, literally, you see it every year. Um, but obviously, you don't think like from that Purdue game to the next game that we would have fallen off like that much. Like, and and it being in KC was like mm-hmm. more like heartbreaking. We just knew we had the road to the final four. We it was, it was no way. I think we had. Yeah. Yeah, before that, were we in Creighton? Were we at or, uh against Nova? You guys had beaten Michigan State, right, in the second round? Yeah, that was in the brass. Yeah, because it was like the Miles Bridges uh, Frank Mason picture when he's in his face. Yep. yep. So, uh, shout out to Miles Bridges. You know, that was my teammate. Shout out to but you know, uh, um, yeah. And so we was like, we go Nebraska. Obviously, all the fans there. We in KC, we camp. Yeah. Played great the first game, then that game is total opposite, man. That would hurt too. I'm not gonna lie. That would really hurt. And I hadn't gone off like y'all probably y'all probably know the stats, but <laughs> Braden, what was it? I was still downward and I memorized all of them until the Oregon game because I didn't want to look at the box. Uh, was it like over zone? I think it was oh yeah, over six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. all made up for it. being forever sad that Frank Mason didn't play in a Final Four. Is it right? I just you know, I started this bro to get there. Like, out of all the teams that I played for, I would have never said that the senior, my senior year team would go to the Final Four, and none of those teams were forward. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. before before we get into uh, your senior year, let's talk. Let's take another break. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Yeah, so, B-Turn, you kind of led us into it. Um, 
but senior year or you get up on your senior year and obviously if you don't I mean the whole season it kind of reminds me of the Hunter Dickinson situation that we just saw and I'm very different because you'd already been at Kansas but it really felt like that offseason the entire success of the next season hinged on whether or not you came back to Kansas or you went pro and it, it you it was Self was very outspoken about wanting you back. I think he even made comments at the senior night the year before that he wanted you back. Um, but obviously it had to be a hard decision for you. You're you're probably ready to make money at that point, try to see what you can get pro-wise. But like just talk us through that that decision. How hard of a decision was that? Were you leaning one way, leaning the other way? What ultimately got you back to Kansas? Uh, to be quite honest, I was never leaning towards going to the NBA. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> After a over a day, and then, like, it was no doubt on my mind I was coming back. Like, I was like, uh, honestly, I'm a big KU guy. Everybody know I love Kansas. Everybody know, you know, Coach Self always say the old, you know, people, you cut them open or take it on. <laughs> and I was like, I'm one of those guys. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, how could I leave and knowing that that would be my last performance? You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be your last known legacy at Kansas, 0 for 8? Like, nah, that's, I can't quite <laughs> like that. Like, no way. So for me, I had already known, but obviously you have to go through the process of. I was going to say, you kind of milked it and made us stress for a few it, weeks. Wasn't me. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you have to see and search and get answers, uh, see if, they, you know, NBA teams are interested or if they want you where you would want to, uh, where they think you're going to be drafted and different stuff like that. So what they they tell you, really, they give you a list of all the stuff they think you need to work on and are you really a point guard? So all that kind of, I got all the feedback back. That's really what took so long. And then I was like, okay, well, it kind of fits what I need to do. Yeah, so I think you, you yourself, and um, just the team had a lot of motivational factors in 2018. I know Bill Self, he obviously knows what he's doing, but he called you guys soft multiple times. Um, and I know I know, during your senior speech, you mentioned something about how fans were saying you guys didn't deserve to wear the Kansas jersey. Um, how, how motivated were you guys after that point, um, after hearing all that from Bill and does Bill know what he's doing there when he calls you guys soft that many times? Oh, he absolutely knows what he's doing when he, like I said, he's trying to poke the bear and stuff like that just to wake us up. Because going through boot camp, you already, you already built for something bigger than yourself. You're not soft. A lot of people won't make it through boot camp. Like, yeah. most people won't make it through boot camp. Like, mentally, physically, is exhausting. So, um, practices, practices is like way harder than I think any game. Like, yeah, like coach so make it so hard to where it's like wicked and so hard that it makes the game that much easier when we get into these situations. Got to remember plays, and we're playing at Kentucky, and we're only up two or down two. We got to get a game where it's stop. Like we do all of those a thousand times in practice, so it makes it easier. But he knows what he's doing, obviously. Right? You see his record, you see the rings, you see the success, you see the, you know, the love that he gets from, from former players. And, like, 
it's just also real, you know what I'm saying? This is like Did you ever worry uh about Malik that season? Cause I know he got like early in the year it felt like he was taking a little bit to get used to just playing for Bill Self. And I feel like the fan base, you the KU fan base can be a little dramatic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it felt like people doubted him um early and then obviously he got the last laugh easily and is now forever loved but yeah. i mean did you did you have that faith in malik that whole season that he could reach i mean we saw the high school mixtapes we knew yeah. he had it in him yeah but did, did you see that coming at all uh that's my dog like me and leak are like to this day obviously we still like really like that so uh Lee struggled and it was it was obvious like that he was struggling like uh, I remember one day he called me. He just like, like it was like coach was getting on him. Like it's been like, it's like two months of just struggle. So he mentally he's struggling, and now like you know you're getting in the game, and you can't make a shot, and coach is on you. So it's kind of like he's like, Tay, bro, I don't know what to do. Like it's like nothing I do is working. I'm going, I'm getting up shots late. I'm, I'm trying. Coach is not. I'm like, bro, you just got to play ball, bro. Like, you know what you're doing, bro. Like, you think it too much. It's too much thinking going on. Just go out and hoop. But once he got to the to March Madness, it was like a whole different knob just twisted. So he was definitely the reason we got to, to you know, where we got to with that Final Four run and stuff like that. So uh, big props to league, man, man. That's my guy. Yeah, I've heard, um, I've heard Bill was pretty tough on him. I know... Former player told me that he, I guess, a guy that played at KU for a long time, probably like eight years, told me that the toughest Bill has been on anyone he saw, and he was there for a decade, was Malik. So, obviously, it worked, and it was great to see Malik end up finishing his career here like that. Yeah. yeah. Nah, he was definitely hard on Malik, for sure. <laughs> sure. So that season, um, you you said it, right? You guys, you that was the team that, they got over the hump, got to the final four. Um, but just talk me through that tournament run. The pressure that you guys had to have felt after losing back-to-back Elite Eights the two years before that we've already talked about. You're a one seed again, but it's not Oregon sitting on the other side of that seat, like other side of that bench. It's freaking Duke, who was massive that year, just like two I, – I guess Bagley and Wendell Carter, two lottery picks, top 10 picks, just monsters. And you mentioned it. There's four guards on that, on your team. So, like, how much pressure did you feel? Obviously, I'm sure there was a lot. But also, like, were you just confident you guys were going to get it done? Were you just kind of like, we're not losing three straight Elite Eight games. Yeah. We're going to make this happen. It was a, it was all the emotions above, bro. Like, I was, I was super nervous because I, like, it's like I've seen this movie before. I've been here the last two years, and it's just like we can't get over the hump. And it's and I'm just like, it's no way that we can lose again. Like for 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 the fans, for me, like for Coach Sell, like just for everybody. Like I just remember telling my mom, like, bro, I, if 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 we don't get over this hump this time, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like. It's gonna be so devastating, like, but I was so worked up to to make sure that we got there and got over it. Like, I was just so anxious to play. Mind you, Duke 
is not a, I hate Duke. Like I grew up a Tar Heel fan being from Raleigh and then nobody in North Carolina recruited me. So it was like until late when NC State and but blah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I always wanted to play against Duke and all of that, but um, everybody was just amped up to, to to play in that game. And when Grayson shot that shot at the end of the buzzer, I swore <laughs> like slow motion. I I just thought not again, bro. Like come on, where your expression after that shot literally summed up every KU fan of the world. Almost pulled out my hand. <laughs> yeah, then that, so that would have been the shot before and had the scariest look in the world on his face. Like he just launched. Yeah, Steve hit the three and he had the yeah. like killer look on his face. And then yeah, that happens. It was around the rim forever. But yeah, you guys, you guys go go into OT and Malik Newman scores every single point in overtime. <laughs> like how many points did he score? I think what thirteen. Burning right. two in the game, right? But yeah, but all of the overtime points. Yeah, every point in OSI. That's what I'm saying. Lee, Lee made sure we got over that home for sure. Yeah. So you guys, sorry, you you obviously beat Duke. Finally, get to the Final Four. It'd been a couple of years. Um, you lost a couple of Elite Eight games, but how we always ask former players that played in the Final Four. Like what your feeling is when you get to the final four? How do you feel? Like, did you feel like it was a happy to be there? Finally, got over the hump, and you're kind of fatigued and tired. And you played a ton of minutes that year, um, or were you guys locked in? No, we was locked in for sure. Obviously, you get that you get that whole week to you know prepare and come down to San Antonio. It is a lot though here, and you got to do a bunch of media, and it's fun though. Like Cozell makes sure you have fun with it, and you know. You, we got the, you can't leave the, the hotel. You got the securities on the floor. Family can only come see you then. And I'm not sure if we, we took phones or not. We, we might've, we might've taken phones or game systems or something like that. I believe just because coach like, you gotta get to rest. Like it's a lot and you don't want to be exhausted for the game. So, um, everybody was locked in. We were super, super excited to be here. Obviously getting over that hump, but. You 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 locked in more than anything. Is that one of those? Games, sorry, is that one of those games where you're just like, what the what the fuck do we do? Like, oh, yeah. score eighty points and somehow lose by double digits. Yeah, I mean they hit what fourteen threes in the first half or something like that. Third half. Yeah, so it's just like they're big men. We're stepping out hitting threes. It's like at that point, it's like what can what what really can you do? You know what I'm saying? Like. Sometimes it's better to, I feel like it's better to lose like that to a team that you know is just very good than it is to like lose in a game like the the Oregon game where you know you're better than Oregon. You guys yeah. just didn't play your A game. It wasn't like we wasn't playing good or like, yeah. it was like we played well too. They just hit a lot more shots than we did. Yeah. 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 So. So I know you got to get out of here in a second. I wanted to, uh, I have a few quick questions I wanted to ask. And I think AB, I might be stealing one of your questions, but me and AB talked about this a little bit. Does it make you sick? Now, obviously you've made plenty of money now. I think you, you turned out okay, but like, does it make you sick thinking about how much money you could have made in the NIL era? Cause AB, I think you were on record for saying DT would have broke records. I mean, it would have been scary. 
Coach Silver, Coach Silver, when it first came out, he said that. He was like, yeah. like Lucky, he was like, Devontae was most money out of anybody I've ever coached. <laughs> <laughs> All of that, every NIL deal out. Oh, your Instagram would have been just a full oh. ad. Every, <laughs> oh, that, every, I talk about this. Every time somebody bring up NIL, they ask me, like, are you sick that, like, obviously, thank, thank God I've, I've been able to still be able to play and make money. Uh, but being in college, like, as money I see these guys are making, I'm like, whoa. Grady made so much last year. It's insane. Grady did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about that being 18 years old. You're making, I mean, who, I'm not going to say the exact number, but it's a lot of money. And you're going to the Hawk. Like, that's hilarious to think about the fact that you're, you may have 500 grand million dollars coming in to your account that year. You're going to the Hawk. Like, I'm just tracking you up. It is crazy. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah, your, your senior night, um, obviously just going back to that, I guess just talk about basically how emotional that was, your relationship with Bill, and then just how much KU fans in general and how much KU mean to you. Because obviously you show it still, you watch every game, you're on Instagram making stories, yelling at the players and stuff like that. So you still care that much. So just talk about KU as a whole and Bill Self and that senior night. Oh, uh, obviously, you know, without coaching them, obviously believing in me uh, the way I had never believed in myself before. I wouldn't be where I am today. So, like, as far as a player, as far as saying a leader, just the way I think, just the way I carry myself, a lot of that has a lot to do with them. So, like, I thank them for that. Like, very appreciative. And then, obviously, you know, the fans, it's, like, unbelievable. Like, the support from day one uh, until when I left was, you know, second to none. Uh, incredible support. Uh, which is why, you know, people used to always be like, yo, you stop me, you take every picture, you do that. Like, you never you never seem to be mad. And, like, you at the Hulk, and we got a line at the Hulk to take pictures. And you, I just watched you take a picture with every single person at the Hulk. Like, wow. Like, I'm like, bro, because, like, first of all, one day this is going to end. Like, people don't realize that. You you just say no. And then one day nobody going to want to take a picture with you. Then you're going to miss that moment. It's like when you could have, when you would have, and you should have. But... These people show me love every day. Like, you know, I got to show them for that same love back. Saying it ain't nothing but two, four seconds, take a picture, you know, shake a hand, kiss a baby, whatever the case may be. <laughs> and uh, I just like to show that love back that everybody showed me over the years. And it was, like I said, like, KU you always going to have, it's engraved in my heart, bro. He's not lying. I remember my sophomore year, I was living in the towers and, Somehow I got in contact with you, and I was like, my cousin loves you. He'd love an autograph on a shirt. Um, you're like, yeah, just bring it down to my room. You got back to me the next day, gave me the shirt back, and it had every player and coach. Like, you had every player and coach sign the shirt. You're afraid. You're like, you've been there for like four months. Yeah. I always thought that was super cool, but yeah, you saying all that. It's, uh, it's not lying. It's not just words. Yeah. <laughs> I used to joke, you know, like, they'll be coming like, can I have an autograph? I'd be like, no. It didn't. <laughs> Oh, and I'm like, I'm just <laughs> um, All right, so last, hold on, last, or this is my last question, but I wouldn't be able to let you go without asking it because you, we could do a whole episode on you and Spee's relationship and Spee <laughs> just being, being objectively hilarious. But the, my favorite Spee story, and I don't even know if you know this Spee story. I don't know if you were there. Um, 
or if it's even true, but my favorite speed story is Scott Drew walking into a locker room after like NCAA tournament. You guys are sharing a location and Scott Drew walks in and like kind of gives you a, a cheesy Scott Drew pump up. Like, come on, guys, go win for the Big 12. Speed's like a senior at this point. And when Scott Drew leaves, Speed turns to somebody. I think it was LeGerald Vick. And he goes, who was that guy? Is that true? <laughs> because it makes me laugh. It's so hard every time that it's heard. Who told you this? I don't know. It's been, I can't remember where we originally heard it. <laughs> I, think that, I, I think it was my senior year, and I think it was media day. Okay. I think I, I remember something like that, but I'm not, I don't want to say that's completely true, but I think, I think because we was on the, we was on the couch and we was just sitting there like playing all this stuff and he came by and said something, but obviously he got the little Baylor, I mean, yeah, yeah, and you couldn't, Speed didn't recognize him. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just going to pretend that uh, that's not what happened to the Speed truly had played yep. against him 10 times. I'm gonna be, and you'll be back in a few weeks for round ball, so I'm sure the fans are ready to see you. Um, I guess thanks for just, obviously thanks for coming on, but thanks for all the love you showed to KU and all that stuff. Like KU fans obviously still talk about it. They know how much you love the university. So as fans, it's really cool seeing players still tap in with the team and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You want to do a part two? You're going to put this part out first and then do a part two or you want to do a, uh, uh, put it together for no, we'll we'll put we're we're gonna put this episode out next week, and then just we'll we'll connect back again sometime. We'll do a part two, live episode at Round Ball, <laughs> with Skinny Chris. Yeah, we gotta get Cartesi on. Please don't play him on. Hey, yeah, <laughs> all the stories that don't need to be told. Oh, he tried to before. Sharon told him to <laughs> shut up one time. We just had like five seconds. Of time. He's in the studio with us, and Sharon like paused at mid sentence, and Chris was like, "Oh shit." I wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> yeah, but before we wrap up, we do got to shout out Cardizi, the all-time just plug to get us Devontae, Sharon. That guy has no limits with his connection, so shout out. Fourth member of the Ain't No Seats podcast. But, but yes, thank you, Devontae. Like I said at the beginning, this is one fans have been asking for for a while. Um, this was really fun, and, and we appreciate your time. And, and good luck with – we didn't get into your pro career or anything like that, but yeah. – Good luck with with everything. Part two coming soon. Yup. Yep. We get part two next week. <laughs> Hell yeah. Get it all the books. <laughs> all right. All right, bro. All right. All right. Thank you. Thanks for you. Love. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.